Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour, and I, I have to tell you, I am absolutely giddy today. Uh, we have a fantastic guest to speak with. She is an actress that it, you've seen her in so much stuff, uh, or well, you've either seen her or you've heard her <laughs> in so much stuff. Uh, she's been on stage, she's been on screen, television, movies. She is Janet Varney. Thank you so much for coming on the show with us today. My pleasure, Ken. Hello, pudding people. Yes, they're I out there. To hear myself say that. <laughs> so satisfying. I'm I'm really wanting to get that endorsement from Hunts. That's that's on uh-huh. the agenda. Uh, we'll yeah, s- we'll see Let's what make comes it happen. Jello, possibly. Um, I always like to start kind of simply. Um, I I kind of you've been one of my favorite people to follow just because I, I like following people that come from a, a similar time frame. I, I'm in that age right now where I go, that person's my age or that person's close to my age. <laughs> they are doing quite well. How, how, how do they do that? So I, I, I like to start with, okay, what got you into the industry? I saw that you uh, were a salutatorian in high school and then, <laughs> and then you kind of uh, progressed into was interior design. How do you go from interior design to acting? Yeah, well, I, I I mean, I definitely did the school plays and stuff when I was a kid. So there are there are there are people that, you know, I went to elementary school, grade school, junior high with even high school with who maybe I lost touch with. And if we reconnect, they are like, I see you always were very driven in theater and like here, you you know, you did it. And then I feel like, you know, I, I the temptation to say no, no. There was a giant chunk of my life that where that was not a priority for me at all, and I was doing all this other stuff. Um, so, you know, in terms of like pe- people's paths wending uh, back and forth and all over the place until you sort of end up perhaps where you were always meant to. I don't know if that's a thing, but um, but if you were trying to make that argument, I feel like my story would be a decent uh, story to tell with regards to that. Because yeah, I definitely. Um, thought, you know, for for a long time. But like, it was very abstract to me. I mean, I know people who knew that they wanted to be actors and really did like graduated from college, immediately moved to Hollywood, immediately, you know, they were doing their bust in their hump to get whatever they could um, get seen, you know, take comedy classes, that kind of thing. And, um, and that and that wasn't me. So I'm not a great I'm not a great example when I'm like, well, people are like, how did you do it? I'm like, well, first you need to not know what you want to do with your life. If you could go ahead and go to an in-state school and then throw away your full ride scholarship to move to San Francisco, <laughs> you could go ahead and establish yourself uh, a year of residency there so you can continue to go to school, um, self-paying all the way. Uh, I would love for you to have a couple of identity crises in there, um, spend a lot of time in retail, then move into interior design then do some modeling uh, that you're sort of ashamed by just because you feel like that was like you're supposed to be using your brain more when you're doing that stuff. But there that is so bullshit. Like uh, models can be wonderful. It's smart and bright. That is a self ashamed thing that is ha- stupid. Um, and, you know, and then like be in a band and then eventually have friends from college coax you into doing a sketch troupe that you never thought that you would do. And then you know, and then you're good. So that's that's the ingredients. Yeah. Good luck. It, it's kind of surprising how those sentiments are actually echoed by a, a great number of people. Yeah. Um, I actually saw you speak at um, 
uh, an expo in Cleveland here not too long ago. And one sure. of the other guests that was there was Mark Shepard. And he uh-huh. echoed almost identical sentiments to that. It's like, yeah, I, there's no reason that I should be in this industry. It just kind of happened. But, yeah. you know, that that kind of a thing. But but the real question I often have in instances where this is not your plotted plan, this this just kind of organically grew out of out of where you were taking your life. Mm-hmm. The you that was before the the acting, was there anything about the process of making film or television that would have surprised the you before acting once you got into actually doing it? Oh, sure. Okay, yeah. So like mhm, like actually doing it for a living, being down in LA and having auditioning sort of be your job um, versus being in the real world. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, 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 I had that experience just just auditioning for stuff when I, when I was in the comedy group in San Francisco with my buddies, um, and we got scouted for, like, the Aspen Comedy Festival and went to that, and then I started getting, you know, th- when you go there, again, it's like, and that is also very arbitrary, like, you're good enough to get that opportunity, but then after that, ah, you don't know, and, you know, I happened to... Um, kind of click with him with a manager who wanted me to come down and and leaving the world of like San Francisco producing or um, being a buyer at a, an interior design store or whatever and and then going down and crashing on my friend's couch and like you know just trying to find where I was supposed to be and like driving you know driving up to a, a studio and like walking in and showing your ID and and going through the gate and like that that would be how a day was spent like two I just had two auditions but that took me all day because I had to get up get ready get those you know the first thing prepared then you drive across town that's an hour then it takes you an hour just to get inside and like wait and then be seen and come back out and so it that blew my mind just that it was like it felt like uh pretend I mean it felt like trying out a, a, a job that wasn't real um and luckily because i've always still produced the comedy festival i founded with my with my two partners cole and david um i always had an anchor to come back to at least part of the year where you know that's our festival we know how to program it we buy the insurance we buy the toilet paper for the bathrooms like we did everything um back in the day so uh so that i think kept me using my brain and then also just being in this community of people like various communities but improv and comedy and and people who are who are making stuff they want to make stuff uh whether or not someone is letting them make stuff um so as that so but all of it was surprising to me all of it was kind of like some of it was felt like you're in a movie like this is the movie version of an actor's life but wow it's shocking that it kind of is that and is you know aptly represented and then I think I also wasn't like I hadn't given full credit to how many brilliant people live here because when you're in San Francisco or Chicago or New York, um, there are a lot of cities that love to snub L.A. and love to be really shitty about L.A. Sorry, I don't I won't I don't won't curse either, but um, I love to be catty about it. And I was one of those people. And um, there's plenty to make fun of about Los Angeles for sure. But when you realize the, you know, per capita amount of just really creative, sincere, funny, neat people who are, you know, who just want to make stuff and have ideas and they want to work together. They want to be in like a summer camp, but all the time. Um, 
that's really inspiring. I mean, it can be intimidating, but it's you you know you 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 really i think there's an energy to that and that's then and if you can find that and you can tap into it in some way i think it does sort of keep you going and push you forward even when it's hard just kind of like a, a a pool of joy that you can access and you're trying to share with other people yeah and then you know conversely like when things are hard you're going to have a ton of people who can relate to that you know at any given time no one is doing so perfect and you're the only one who's not going through something. It's like in, at any given time, you know, some of your friends are having like the, the peaks of their careers and some of your friends are, you know, have not worked forever. And I again, I'm including, you know, actors, writers, editors, teachers, you know, I mean, there's just, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, and so I don't ever feel like you can sort of get caught in that that pattern of like comparing yourself to more successful people. But I think if you start to go down that road and then you think about a, a, you know, just grab a group of people in your mind and think, oh, we're all at such different places emotionally right now. And, you know, we all trade, you kind of trade mm. back and forth. And I think that can be this support um, when the pool of joy feels like it's a little, you know, droughty. Yes. Uh, the, we, we, uh, I know, I know that feeling, that feeling well, that, that drought feeling. So, Okay. Some some people that I've talked to have had this moment. Some haven't. But did you have just the I've made it moment? So you you finally got on to whatever show or whatever production, whether it's actually you've made it or not. But you got yeah. that feeling. It's like, oh, this is this is actually this is me. This is what I'm supposed to be. And had that just kind of kind of giddy reaction. I mean, I would say, and I. I suspect that I speak for many performers when I say that I have had that feeling many times, which means that that feeling also goes away. <laughs> so you can have it. And then, you know, six months later, you're like, oh, no, no, no. I don't know why I thought that. Like, that was a fun moment, but mm -mm. Um, so those that's kind of a roller coaster as well. But I would say with that in mind, um, I definitely have. I guess some version of that and it's usually i don't know i guess not to be totally cheesy but i i think i kind of feel those moments in smaller ways and in smaller points like that nothing makes me feel like i've made it more than having a conversation with somebody at a con who you know watched something that i was in and during a t really hard time for them um and that feels like oh okay you know but i feel like the the thing i'm getting from that is so similar to what my dad as a high school teacher experienced at the end of the year when a student came up and said mr varney you know you were my favorite teacher you really made me love shakespeare and you know i'm excited to go to college and i didn't feel that way before um that's not dissimilar like to me those things have the same value at whether or not i've what i did was seen by more people at once who cares? Hmm. Um, so those are the, I think those are the feelings. But every once in a while, there's a feeling when you go on to a lot and someone, you know, points at a studio and is like, that's where Charlie Chaplin filmed the tramp. And you're like, ooh, I'm a part of history. You know, I try to, in fact, that's a great example. That is a great example. When I first got to tour the Henson Company because hmm. I had met at a comedy festival, had met the 
the sort of head of longtime head of PR there who was, you know, just like part of every remote shoot that that Henson puppets were doing. Um, we really hit it off and she asked me to come. And that was definitely a moment like walking onto that lot and seeing this big Kermit and he's wearing Charlie Chaplin clothes because that is the old Charlie Chaplin studio, which is what made me think of it. Um, that really felt like I, th- I think, you know, it's that stuff that when you're connecting with a with a kid in you where you're like, oh, my gosh, if I could tell every year up to this point age me that, you know, I would be having this conversation and like eventually meet Brian Henson and all of that kind of stuff. That would have felt like whatever I did to get here. Great. You know, <laughs> I, I, I kind of I kind of feel like that sometimes as as the people that that consume the the media more than than not we we don't we there's a, there's a barrier i mean yes we get to enjoy the product of what is made but we don't get to kind of get the feeling of what it is to put it together that's that's you know in my mind how i'm i'm thinking things but then at that same expo watching you do the panel when the sound system was not cooperating and uh-huh. and uh, you were still just kind of still maintaining it, and you had people uh, getting in line over and over again to to continue to ask you questions. It just at that point, it's like, well, it doesn't really matter. It's, you yeah. just kind of you, no matter what, you've managed to to make the difference in somebody's life. That that is amazing. Do you get that a lot on the convention circuit? Because you go to a lot of conventions. How many do you think you go to in a, in a given year? Um, I mean, I definitely have friends who do more who seem like they're just gone every weekend, and that's not me. I I feel like I feel like a like a sweet spot for me in terms of like how much I would be traveling and stuff would be like one every two months, which is only six. Um. I think sometimes it there are a couple that crop up that end up being more than that, but I don't think I do. I would. I don't think I do more than maybe six. But if I like count in my head what I've done this year, that might be more. But that's also because post COVID, you know, everybody's right. we're all so hungry to just be with people again. Um, but yeah, I, uh, so I, I do, and I and I do, and that's why I go. I mean, it 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 truly, truly is, and I don't feel like I've ever taken it for granted. I it's it it is exhausting. There's no way around saying that it's not exhausting, but it is exhausting because uh, because you're I'm just I'm I'm utterly present, and I'm I really want to take in and make room for like every positive experience, and also you know people who do feel like you know there's something either in my work or in stuff i've disclosed because i'm a super oversharer uh that that you know made them feel better um uh, yeah i mean i I just want to show up for that and um it's you know it's those are the moments again like my mom passed away in february of 2021 and like those are the moments i think to myself or sometimes i even talk to her i'm like oh ma'am if you could see you know like this is why you were a teacher she was also a teacher um you know, like this, like this exchange, if you're, if there's some version of you or some like sparks of energy that exist that uh, represent you in some way in the grand consciousness of being a human being, I don't know, but like she never got to see any of those moments. Um, and, but I, I would love for her to see those moments just because, you know, that is the kind of thing that you feel like people should be proud of you again, not like 
you know, not being like, oh, I saw you on a billboard. Like my mom would not give a crap about that. You know, she would be like, oh, that's neat. But she, you know, she would be like, oh, right. that's kind of neat. But like that's a, a feeling that's just very fleeting. But if she saw some of the exchanges I've had with, with people who, who love the same stuff I do, because, you know, I, I got to be in stuff I love. So I love talking about it um, and saw and saw that she would she would definitely be like, ah, OK, like you're doing something. You're you've done something. Um, and so that's that's really important to me. So in the in the conventions that you go to, again, because, you know, most the vast majority of us will only ever be on one side of it when we go to the convention. Is there anything about being part of a convention that the the average uh, attendee would not expect or maybe something that they should know that would not only maybe make their uh, enjoyment of it better, but also make it easier for everyone to give them the experience that they want that you sometimes may not expect? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, I mean, the thing that sort of popped into my mind, which probably won't, maybe it won't surprise anybody, um, but, uh, you know, when you go back in the green room um, and, you know, you have the opportunity, I don't, nobody ever, I've never I mean, I don't know some of like the big legend iconic folks. Like, I don't know William Shatner, so I can't speak for him. But I have borne witness to so many people fanning out on each other in the green rooms. So that never goes away. Um, I mean, I was with uh, <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember which voiceover person it was, but it was like one of the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, just, you know, beloved, like any one of those guys, Cam Clark or Rob Paulson, let's say, um, but just like people who, you know, just have lines of people who are like, you were my childhood, man. You're amazing. Like, I love you. And and and, you know, I'm sitting with him and he's like, I'm sorry, I just I have to go tell Rupert Friend how much I love him. I can't not. I can't not. I don't want to bother him, but I can't not. <laughs> and that's even a generational thing where like the older guy was super fanning out on the younger guy and went over there and then they just were, you know, hanging out and talking and like. You know, he came back and was just like, he's so nice. He's so cool. And that is the mirror image of what is happening on the other side of those, you know, particle boards or whatever that they put up. Um, and and then also, like, the people really do. Again, I'm very lucky because I feel like the group that of people that my particular booking agents represent is just they're just so lovely. But even people I don't know, I always hear and I'm always part of conversations where people are like, look at this thing that this person made for me. Or, you know, they're wiping away a tear like, oh, I really couldn't keep it together out there. You know, that that I had this one of those, I just had one of those fans who, you know, really like had a story to tell. And so like it gets, it, it's happening. It's real. It's not it's not a facade. It's not like, hey, hey, how you doing? Oh, you, I'm, I'm hearing you. And then you walk away and you're forgotten. It's just not like that, um, at least not in the experiences I've had with other people. So if people are, you know, if anyone wonders like, oh, I, I felt like, you know, Gray Delisle was really nice to me, but I don't know. Maybe that's just like she's an actor, you know, she's getting paid <laughs> to be here or whatever. Um, not that's that's not been my my experience at all. And I would say if someone was kind of short with you, like they either might have had, you know, a hard day or maybe they are kind of a dick. But uh, you, but the people who are nice, they're not faking it like that's yeah. that's totally real. Um, and and again, it's just great to see. And it's so fun to see people nerd out on each other. It's just the best. 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I still, I, I will tell the story many times, but uh, the same, same company that ran that um, expo in Cleveland, I had, had attended that previously, and the, the focus on the previous time was Smallville. So that, oh, that's, oh, like, sure. that was like my show. I, I love that. I got, I got to beat these people and and see what. And that was, that was the first year I was doing the podcast. So it's like, yeah, come on over and you can cover it and talk to some of the people and, you know. I like to think that I am sometimes witty. Maybe not always, uh-huh. <laughs> but um, there was just an instance um, where they had done the panel and everybody was leaving. Uh, you know, with your panel, they kind of ushered you behind behind closed doors and, uh, you know, you, you went down the back hallway and you didn't have to necessarily run into anybody. Yeah. Uh, Well, they do that, too, to just, like, get you back to the table because there's usually people waiting there who left early. You know what I mean? So otherwise you'll be there. And I'm interested to see where the story's going because you can end up being there an hour. And then the con is like, you've messed up our entire schedule. Right. Well, Tom Welling was a member of that panel uh, along with everybody else. He left through the audience and went out the main portion uh, of the thoroughfare. And I hadn't seen this as first. And I was walking up the steps. And then there's Tom Welling. I go, oh, I have two seconds. Make an impression, make him laugh. Yeah. Maybe something will go well. And I'm, I'm thinking about it. It's like, what am I going to say? And before I'm ready, out of my mouth goes, well, why don't you just fly up the stairs? What? Uh-huh. Where did that come from? And dude just took it in strides like, Ooh. And just <laughs> it's like, you you are a gentleman, sir, because that was yeah. the stupidest thing that I could ever have possibly said. And hopefully he will have forgotten it. And <laughs> Again, we all have those moments. Like, I just got to take a picture with Mick Foley. Uh, and that he, was so cool. Know, was, well, and it, and it was. But, like, the way it had been described to me was, like, he knows who you are. You know who he is. He loves having been part. He talks about having been the boulder on Avatar all the time. Like, he's super excited. Whatever that was, I don't know where it came from. Because when I went in, they, like, pulled me into his booth while he was signing. And I was like, huh, I don't want to. But they're waiting. And, like, and then he was just like, hello. Like, who are you? <laughs> and I was like, hey, Mick, I'm I'm Janet. I, I play Cora in The Legend of Cora, and I have a podcast with Dante Bosco. We talk about, you know, it's doing extraordinarily well. We just talked about your episode. Like, you know, I hear you're a fan. He was like, oh, yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, lo- I love that show. Would you like to take a picture? And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I would never have gone in. Had I like, I wouldn't have never, I wouldn't have never interrupted his sign. You know what I mean? Like the right. whole thing, I was just sort of pl- like plunked down in the middle of his world, and like there was zero time, and I was like, yes, and like he was totally lovely, but that was not the exchange I was expecting at all, and so I fully had the experience of being like, okay, well, 
uh, you don't know who I am. And uh, thanks for being a good sport about that. I'm going to go ahead and post it and act like we're friends. Goodbye. <laughs> now, were you a wrestling fan at all before this? Or... I, I got to be honest. I wasn't really. I mean, I definitely had fans who were super into it. And I, they were fans that I love. Like, they were people in my life that I loved who were super nerdy and also played D&D and stuff. So, like, I absolutely had the understanding of kind of where pro wrestling can fit into like other things that people love. Um, but yeah, it was not, it was never something that anyone even put in front of me, you know? Uh, if you, if you've ever, well, I'm sure you've had several friends and associates that have been on the uh, stunt side of a film to make sure that yeah. all of the actors can uh, maintain life and limb and, <laughs> and sure. continue from yeah. scene to scene. The stuff yeah. that, that he would do just from day to day was oh my gosh, amazing. I, I still don't know how he survived so many of those i mean yeah okay staged but when you when you go uh, you know 20 feet down even through a prefab you know trick table oh yeah that's gonna hurt oh yeah it's intense it's intense well yeah and then later you know in my more recent life um you know my, my friend dear dear friend hal uh does a great podcast called tights and fights and they talk about wrestling and i got to do an episode and like really d you know, drilled down into some specific characters and then i got to have colt cabana on my podcast and oh, just fell cool. completely in love with him and um and also like you know had like a growing understanding from being a kid all the way through now of just like how dynamic and how charismatic and how talented pro wrestlers who whether they decide to stay in the wrestling world or do pull a rock or you know come out of it um like you know Dave Bautista to me is the funniest thing in Guardians of the Galaxy like he is extraordinarily funny and so talented and you know it's just another example there it is <laughs> I love raccoons so much um yeah so like you know there's there's again there's no no shade on not having watched wrestling but uh it's it's different it's it's i i, I kind of it's not a great likening that's for sure but it, it's similar to theater in the sense that you know when when you're putting together a television show or a movie well the camera's going to be on you where you need to be on stage you need to affect people really far away. Sure. And that's that that to me is a skill that still just mystifies you. Not only do you need to do that, but do it while getting hit repeatedly. <laughs> of course. And also your whatever you're doing in your free time is probably like you're working out. You know what I mean? You're like you're eating a certain way. I mean, it's a full time job to just do that, to just stay in that shape much less to then go on a stage and, you know, and entertain millions of people. Now, just from talking about this, your, your interactions with, briefly, with Mick Foley, and so, you've managed to be in a position to touch on so many niche kind of pop culture uh, pools of, of fun um, is there any one of these that you've run up against that you didn't expect to really, really like, but, oh, it's like, I had no idea this existed. This is yeah. amazing. That's a great question. I, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't know if I was surprised by it, so I can't really say it's that, but, um, but it was really fun to kind of come to understand uh, – from my first time being on psych, just how devoted a fan base that is and how 
just beloved that show is. And, um, and, and, you know, I knew it was great and I was so honored to be a part of it and then to be invited back with like some of the like greatest hits, in my opinion, of, you know, the, the of that and like, you know, knowing James and like staying in touch with everybody and and becoming friends and, you know, getting close with 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 Omensen and, you know, just an amazing group of people. Um, and, and I love that they are so fantastic and that they have fans who are smart and funny and weird and clever and devoted and you know really I, I, that was very cool that was very that there that's a great fandom um i'm always so impressed by the psych fandom well i have to i have to admit that they they had an amazing they had an amazing run with a great cast and so much i mean i still i have yet to meet uh timothy um and he's he's one on my list like this guy yeah is just amazing um you know, being a, a a huge dork for Supernatural, seeing him have a, you know oh, not sure. not a large part on that, but a very very important part yes. was 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 so much fun. But truthfully, Gallivant. I mean, just him yeah. and Gallivant was uh, just too much. Yeah. I I still have the drunken singing we're going to sneak out and do stuff song going through my head at least <laughs> once every couple of weeks and just yeah. just amazing um yeah he's the best yeah it, you have um you have a lot of minutia that you pick up is there any is there any piece of a show or production that you did that will just kind of pop out of you every once in a while and you're going where did that come from <laughs> Oh, I mean, I know I'm hugely influenced by stuff I like and stuff I get to do. Um, I mean, I definitely I'm trying to think of I mean, I definitely feel like I'm more like Jimmy Pardo now than I was before we became friends. Like he is a very distinct personality. You know, Paul F is this. Paul F. Tompkins is the same way. Um people like that that I've been lucky enough to spend a lot of time with, you know, both doing stuff and in, in friend life. And um, although I would say, like, nobody ever sees that much of each other in L.A. It's always like, we're doing a work thing. That counts as hanging out. <laughs> Hooray. Now I'll go back into my little den, which is very much me. Um, like, I'm sh- I, I mean, I know there there I there are I already have a really specific laugh that is like the laugh I've always had. But I now also have outburst laugh that I'm positive, just like osmosis in from from Jimmy. Um, so that was kind of the thing that sprung to mind when you said that. Just like I'm pretty sure now I go ha in a way that like 100 percent was, you know, I did not was not on purpose, but it's in there. Well, do you, as long as you make the the face that he makes when he does that laugh at the same time, because he's always got that leaning forwarding with yes. the forehead that when he does at the same time. I hope I do. I hope I do. I hope I'm honoring that. <laughs> well, speaking of honoring things that are that are important, uh, don't forget, dear folks. Like that segue, it's I'm going straight into it's it. Fantastic, mm, do it. Now, I like to remind people that listen to us on Spotify, on Apple music that have not taken the time to visit our website to definitely go ahead and do so. Of course, you can find out amazing people that we're going to be talking to like Janet Varney. We've got our whole schedule coming up, but there is more. There's so much more. Have you ever thought to yourself watching Avengers Endgame? How many people died in this film? We'll tell you. (laughs) 
<laughs> moment <laughs> by moment, we have our uh, entire uh, pop culture kill count. T- television shows, movies, we've got it all on there. We have the ultimate comic movie database. Every film based on a comic strip, comic book, all cross-referenced for your uh, deep dive and, and rabbit huge. holing. Yeah, Fabulous. We have, we have a lot a lot of fun with that. Uh, and by fun, I mean lots of hard work that we hope other people will enjoy. But, uh, I bet yeah. they will. Yeah. So now that's out of the way. Get back to the important stuff. <laughs> so, okay. So comedians have always also been something. Both my co-host, who is unfortunately not here with me today uh, due to some scheduling conflicts. But uh, we have con- you know just continually talked about who we think are, are our favorites, are our best. Now, you've been in and around comedy a long time. Who are your inspirational figures within the realm of comedy? Like that I don't know. People who I was like enamored of when I was younger and stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. role models and stuff. Or current. Um, Sure, sure. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm really lucky. My dad's super funny. He, uh, He introduced me to a lot of stuff that he loved when I was really little. He was very much there to watch Sesame Street with me. And, you know, like we had a very engaged um tv relationship in terms of you know there was just a lot of stuff that we liked watching together um which i think was really nice to have that bond um so you know again like anything muppets related and then all of the people who sort of showed up in and around the muppets like bernadette peters or um steve martin or uh, martin short um the women in mel brooks's movies like madeline khan and terry gar terry gar was a Terry Gar was a real big one for me, um, especially like after Tootsie and just feeling like, oh, I'm like I'm a I'm I'm like a cute kind of cutish blondish kid and like girl and somehow you know she's so funny but she's she's she, there's you know she's got these very very funny mannerisms and stuff but she's still a person when she's acting and I don't know I just really I really really love Terry Gar. Um, uh, so she was definitely, she was a big one. Um, and, uh, but yeah, like all the, uh, you know, I loved like, I mean, I love like Savage Steve Holland movies, you know, I loved Better Off Dead. It was like obsessed with Better Off Dead and nice. um, I kind of still am. And, you know, like One Crazy Summer and just stuff where he was just doing stuff that, you know, he's one of those people that you're sort of like, oh, movies can be like this. Like you can just, you can just do that. That doesn't make any sense at all. Cool. You know? Um, so that was, I think the, the sense of the absurd and then, you know, and then kids in the hall and it's so cool that like so many of these people are still around doing stuff, being awesome. Um, you know, uh, that were, that were such influences. Um, so those, that was like kind of, you know, the stuff that I think I really have always loved. And I used to talk about this with the Sklar brothers all the time. Cause we did this web series, like right when I first moved here, um, called back on tops, which actually is something I'm so proud of. And I don't think people know about it or see it. It is hmm. so funny and it's so good. And they had such an amazing cast. Um, and there, and the, uh, my biggest compliment with something is often me like laughing and going, that's so stupid. This is so stupid. But it's a very specific kind of stupid. Like you have to know, and this is very Steve Martin, but like to be at a level where something about you is like intellectually and artistically elevated, but you're able to do something that's just so stupid. Mm -hmm. um, That's just the best. Like that's, 
it's the high meets low, I think, um, that I've always really, you know, really loved. I think a lot of us are like that. But there's also like, you know, there's varying levels of that. Everybody's got their own level of like, is your favorite high meets low something? There's something about Mary. To me, the Fairley brothers are like more sort of low meets low, but they're still very charming. Right. You know, they're very funny. But what's the balance for everybody? And it's different for everybody. But, um, you know. Yeah, the, to to be able to operate at uh, the level of excellent that he's excellence that he's been operating at for forever now is yeah. just kind of amazing. But what yeah. about current day? What what comedians tickle your funny bone now? Do you get a chance? I mean, because you organize the the event, so yeah. I assume that you get to see the talent that you bring in and see new fresh faces and people returning and go, oh. This person, this person's going to be really, really big. I could tell they're great. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, yes, for sure. I mean, there's always people that you know, whether they're brand new or whether I'm trying to think of anybody I've seen that's brand brand new. It's definitely COVID time still, right. in the sense of like you know we booked a whole festival and then we couldn't do it, so we had to pick it up and just move it a year forward. So hopefully it will happen in um, 2023 in January. But um, but yeah, I mean. I don't know. Like there are def- there are definitely people that I am a huge fan of. There's a comedian named Nori Reed, uh, and I I just uh, love her. I just can't get enough. I just think she's so wonderful and so funny. And um, you know, the, if you want to know who I like, it's like probably paging through my podcast episodes is a good sign because I that's a way to muscle in. You know what I'm talking about, Ken. You yes. know what I'm talking about. Yes, it is a great way to get to know someone um, that you're like, I love you. Please, like, let me talk to you about things. Um, <laughs> Guy Branham, I've always loved. Um, Joel Kim Booster, I love. Aparna Nonchurla, I love. Naomi Akperjan, I love. Um, they all, and they all, and they, they all know and love each other. So there's, I guess there's a sort of a, a you know, Joe Firestone, I love. Um, but But I also love like, I don't know. Am I thinking specifically about their actual stand up sets or am I thinking about them as human beings mm. or improvisers or podcasters? Um, that tends to be, I think, more my cup of tea. Like, I really respect stand up and I like it a lot. And I'm always the, everyone I named has brought something to stand up that I find so original and unique and strange and funny. And that's what makes it so special. Um, but uh, but but if but if someone says, do you want to go to an improv show or a stand up show? I'll go to the improv show. That's a lot, and that's, that's saying a lot, and that's taking a much bigger risk. Well, I was, was going to say <laughs> that improv that's, is that's really hard. painful. That's, that's, that improv is really painful, but yeah. when you but but great improv is to me as electrifying as anything I've I can I can see and experience. Um, whereas great stand up, I'm always sort of aware that that I mean it's brilliant. Like Pat Oswalt, he works so hard to sound like he's coming up with stuff off the cuff, and it's so he's a genius. Yeah. Um, but I. Coming from improv and and knowing what it feels like to get that high when you're on stage, when something per- happens that's perfect, that was completely unplanned, that to me is like lightning in a bottle. That's that's the like, oh, God, that was so great. Oh, my God, that's so great. You know, and so as a fan, I love getting to be privy to those moments. But it's also hard because if you love improv and you love what you're seeing on stage, you're like, oh, I wish I could play like you get little ants in your pants, you know? <laughs> but like, that's how we all are with podcasts now. Like we all oh, listen yeah. to podcasts and we're like, oh, I wish you could say something right now. I can't, I can't say something. This is a conversation that's already happened. I, you know, it's, it may sound strange, but maybe my favorite thing about comedy, I'm, I'm always going to have the comedians that I've, I've liked and have continued to like. My favorite thing is 
finding a comedian that I just absolutely don't get. It's just not, not for me. And then they make something and I go, oh, well, huh. this is different and yeah. amazing. Most recently, like the, the Bo Burnham inside special. I knew special. you were going to say Bo Burnham. I, I did, don't know why, but I absolutely knew you were going to say Bo Burnham. I did not like his yeah. earlier work. It just never yeah. hit me. It wasn't my my area. Yeah. But that that was just amazing. I yeah. still, I don't even have words to really describe it. <laughs> yeah, I tell everybody about it. Yeah, he's he's a very, I mean, gosh, he's been doing it so long, too, for how young he is. I remember when he came on the scene, it was like, you're 12. What are you doing? How is this happening? What is your what is your brain made of? Let me get a peek in there. What's YouTube? Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Um, so, okay, so in, in, the, in your experience, have you... Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm trying to think three things at the same time, and clearly this is not going to work. Oh, my gosh. I do that all the time, so no problem. Okay. In shows that you've been a part of, who has been your favorite person to follow, let us say? <clears throat> like shows I've been a part of, like to see what they've done after right. the thing I worked on them. Exactly, with, exactly. With on to them. to follow I, and kind of track words. their track their progress and just see what's happened. Oh my gosh, um, boy, oh boy, oh boy, boy, that's a great question. Oh, now this is a this is a like I've gotten been lucky to work with too many amazing people, so I'm completely drag blank. Um, Oh, gosh, it's I mean, if I start going through the Rolodex in my mind of of people, the problem is that I just love a lot of people and I don't like picking favorites. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I understand. That. Uh, well, I'll say this. I'll, I'll give an example. This is somebody that like I sort of came full circle with in a sense. But um, I when I did Burning Love, Colton Dunn just had like a little something something to do in that um, where he played like a medic. And I just thought he was so funny. And he I think had, you know, he was definitely a UCB guy and was definitely like already getting ready to write on Key and Peele or was writing on Key and Peele. But I just didn't have a whole lot of like personal experience performing with him. And so but I just he he just stood out to me because I knew I was familiar with everybody else that was on the show um, for the most part, you know, and because I wasn't working with him that much and he, when he would come in and he would just make me die laughing, I just thought he was so funny and great. So it was really cool to like, you know, then see him showing up on stuff and work and writing on Key and Peele and writing these different places and just being so freaking talented and then getting to do the space improvised space kind of comedy podcast I did with him called Voyage to the Stars was such a pleasure to get to just you know record with him every week and um and and see him on Superstore and see how much people love him and so he's a good example of somebody that I met you know many many years ago and was like he just was he just struck me so quickly um and I was a fan so quickly and so it's been really great seeing like all the different stuff that he's been involved in and, you know, getting a chance to to know him and work with him has, has been really cool. And I I know he's going to keep doing amazing stuff. That's uh, those those little those little things that that you accumulate over time, those those relationships and those interactions. Uh, 
I would I would assume I would feel like that 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 would just be a bolster that that would allow you in your in your moments because I'm sure you don't have very many of them where you have just some peace Tons. to think. Oh, peace! Oh, peace to think! Yeah. Uh, to to be able to fall out, uh, fall back on, and just like yeah, that was that was pretty sweet. So okay, I, if I didn't talk about Legend of Korra, um, uh, I think at least one of my sons would probably uh, strangle <laughs> me. We um, do not want that to happen. No, at all. It, it happens regularly, but I'll, I'll deal with it. Um, <laughs> I wanted to know something very specific. Whenever you're doing voice work, as opposed to doing uh, live recordings, it it occurs to me that maybe the process of being directed would potentially be different. Is mm-hmm. there a different feel between those two environments? And what is it? What's yeah. the what's it like? Oh, gosh, it's like worlds different. I mean, it's incredibly different. It's incredibly different. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it, the whole the whole experience of shooting something on camera is, you know, there's so many people involved and there's so much going on and you're seeing the, you know, sausage get made. So sorry I used that uh, analogy, but um, you're seeing a lot of what happens in the moment. Um, that doesn't mean that there's not a whole other world that goes into post-production because there absolutely is. But you are definitely seeing the grips and the electric setting up. You're seeing the camera guys. You're seeing, you know, you're seeing it all. Um, and and that's one of the things I love about that uh, that environment. And then when you're when you're recording voiceover, I mean, you're basically with one engineer. If you're lucky, you're with you know some of the cast. Um, and then you might have you know a writer, the creators, and then you have your voice director. So it's just this very small, quiet space. Um, and and so it's a it's a completely different experience. And you know, there's also like a technical aspect to it. I mean, it's not often that i mean certainly there's lots of technical stuff about like finding your mark and you know all that and like don't hit your mic and all that with when you're shooting on camera but just you know there's everything has to come through your voice so uh, having a vocal director like someone like andrea romano who can who can read with you and be brilliant and also has you know over the years come up with a vocabulary that enables her to so easily communicate like these tiny changes that need to happen um, in a way that's both respectful and to the point because you don't have, you know, she doesn't have time to like coddle someone. Um, So, you know, somehow she got really good. And I've used this example before, but somehow she's really good at being like, hearing a lot of spit in your voice, a lot of spit in your voice. Go ahead and take a drink of water. You know what I mean? And you're just like, cool, cool, cool. A lot of spit in my voice. Like, I'm going to just, like, let that wash over me, so to speak, and we'll move on. Um, so to be able to just articulate something like that immediately and not have to be like, how do I put this? Um, first of all, you're doing great. Like, no. She's going to just, like, say, this is the thing that we need to fix. Let's fix it and move on. Um, so it's, it's, it's a very, very different experience. I love them both for different reasons and I would hate to stop doing either. Um, but I also totally understand people who are like, oh yeah, I started doing voiceover and I was like, I'm never going back. You know, I love showing up and having been, being in my pajamas or whatever the cliche we all use is. Um, and you know, and to have that ability to like, you know, do all these different voices and stuff and not be just like known for you know, for being this one thing or what your face looks like or whatever. But, um, but I love, you know, I love the physicality of shooting on camera um, too. I just love that. It gives you something different. So they're both wonderful, but they are very different. And the way you're directed is very, very different. Now, have you ever taken the opportunity to just 
mess with the director a little bit. You know, when she gives you that direction. I could say I had that confidence or like George Clooney uh, <laughs> prankishness to me, but I'm not, I'm like the most mild-mannered voiceover actor compared to some of the legends who have just been doing it forever. I mean, I... I am still so humble and like, I'm just happy to be here. Please don't fire me. Um, whereas, you know, Rob Paulson and, and Maurice LaMarche and Phil Lamar and, you know, just like these, the uh, Greg Delisle, uh, another fantastic example. Um, you know, people who, who have been doing it and are just titans in that business um, that are just like screwing around with each other and doing different voices and like taking everything. Just the trade is off the tracks and it's so funny to listen to, but like definitely it's a herd of cats that has to be rounded back up again by the voice director. I, I don't have that. I'm like not comfortable enough in the space because I'm so wanting to do everything perfectly so I'll get to do more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm like very unimpish in a way that I'm kind of surprised by. Like, hey, you think that I'd be more impish? Well, I, I was going to say not. it was the improv. I just felt that it might yeah. slip out at some point. No, I mean, I, I, I yeah, I kind of wish that it did, but I, I think I'm, I become like, wanting to be teacher's pet I think I become like hmm I want to make sure uh, no one has anything to say to me that's negative uh, you know yeah I <laughs> my favorite thing uh, speaking of my boys and we tend to uh, I seem to uh, be under the impression that you at least have some some fun and familiarity with gaming we we did our family vacation at Gen Con here oh, not too nice. long ago and was it fun? You had it, a good time? Yeah, it was great. Uh, they they tried to ditch me whenever possible because I always tried to slip into Harvey Firestein around them. Like, <laughs> yeah, why don't we go over and try some of those games over there? Yeah, but, I uh, understand why they would uh, they said want to... Embarrassing, yeah. just a little bit. Uh -huh. But uh, that's, that uh -huh. was what I was imagining. It's like you go into uh, – I'm spacing the name of the actress, but she was um, – uh, she was in Beetlejuice and played the the, the caseworker. She had that kind of iconic voice, and she oh, was yeah. The, and the, then they, she even had the tracheotomy, like she's yeah. The, right, the right. Coming. So slow. So yeah, a little yeah. spit in your voice, please clear. It's like, yeah. is this better? Is this better? Uh huh. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, that would be uh, fantastic. But uh, <laughs> so who who would you say is um, who would you say is uh, somebody you were most surprised? to get the chance to work with on a, a show, whether it be an actor, a director, uh, a, a writer uh, that, that you never thought you would have a chance. Is there anybody that you just kind of managed to be on a project with? And it's like, man, this is like kind of a dream come true or, or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, that happens to me all the time. Um, I'm always, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm always so excited uh, there, I have. I'm a big fan. I'm a fan girl. You know, I'm a person who is a fan of movies and TV, and um, and pay attention and paid a lot of attention to it as a as a younger person. So I constantly feel that way. For sure, Legend of Korra was like that. I mean, that was that was like a parade of you know people. I never like. I never thought I'd get to work with Clancy Brown. I never thought I'd get to work with like Henry Rollins. I never thought I'd get to work with J.K. Simmons. I never thought I would get to work. I mean, I, that list just, it, it will never end. Like there's, it's a never ending list of people who would come in for a day or who would be regular characters that I just felt so incredibly lucky to be alongside. That would be really cool. I'd, I'd love to at some point work with Henry Rollins, but I couldn't believe anything he said. So I don't know how well that would go. <laughs> 
That is a, uh, for our listeners that are uh, younger than myself, that is a music joke. Uh, take uh-huh, a look at the, take a look back at the uh, the Henry Rollins music collection. You'll, you'll eventually uh-huh. get it. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so when you're preparing for this role, I mean, you've got the lead. This is the whole, the weight of the series is on your shoulders. Uh, Luckily, I never thought of it that way, or I would have been crushed (laughs) under my own insecurity. Right. Uh But, you know, taking the the series that after an extremely popular and successful Avatar, The Last Airbender, what what do you felt was the thing that you did that best helps you prepare for the role? Oh, gosh. I mean, just read the script. I mean, that... The scripts were so good. Um, there, there just wasn't a whole lot to worry about other than, other than reading the script and knowing what's happening and coming and prepared. Um, but you know, I, I can't say that like I'm not a method actor. There are people who have you know their the things that they do um, to get certain places. Um, I, I think, and then there are other actors who you know to a fault have no problem accessing certain things and that's probably more the category I fall into uh but um so yeah I mean for that really it was just like whatever's on the page is so alive that you know I don't feel like I'm doing anything but honoring it I don't feel like I'm you know um enhancing it even necessarily just like doing you know doing the work and um and the writing took care of the rest and then they animated in your it's magic you know yeah that the the style that they used I I it's just so accessible. It's it's a lot of fun, yeah. um, and I always love it. Now, more often than not, my co-host and I we tend to focus more on um, comic books and comic strips and their specific intersection with uh, film and television. And fairly recently, you were able to voice an iconic DC character uh, yeah. for for Injustice. How was that? That was so, so cool. It was, that was really, that was, I did not audition for that. So that came out of nowhere. And um, I was like totally floored and, and so into it. And I mean, it's obviously a very different uh, Superman, different world than non-Injustice DC world. But, uh, but I, I really, I mean, I, I kind of liked how dark it was and, um, I, I just can't believe I got to be Wonder Woman. That was cra- I, that was crazy. I mean, I, I can't. That that was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Again, did not take that for granted. Continue to not take that for granted. Like, if someone brings me up a, a Wonder Woman pop to sign, I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> Do you want to save this for Gal or, like, any one of the other amazing voiceover actresses who have done it? Uh, so, yeah, that continues to be like, what? I did. I got to do what? Oh, heavens. Yeah, that was a real honor, but for sure. But that wasn't the first comic book film that you were involved with. I seem to remember there was another early in your career, just as a small part, that you were involved As a small with. part? Oh. <laughs> yeah, Party Girl. Party Girl. Uh, yes. Uh, I love the description What a gift. That. Yeah, that was like, I think before I even moved... I either had just moved down here, I'm trying to remember where I drove home to, um, or had not moved yet, but uh, moved down permanently yet. But yeah, that was uh, that was a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I mean, it was it was weird. It was like, um, 
a very you know it's a big budget movie and um you know i got cut uh although my name is in the credits which is lovely right when you're you know just getting started you're like that still means something <laughs> um you know but uh but that was that was a that was a little bit of like a trial by fire in terms of like just getting dumped into um a shoot that was like very like lots of special effects lots of production stuff um just a lot of moving parts and, you know, shooting all night into the morning. Um, it was, that was wild. But like the coolest thing that came out of that, not that we kept in touch or anything, but that was like the coolest, weirdest thing to happen was like, I was sitting on a couch and this guy who came up and was like, you know, Hey, like, do you mind if I sit here? My girlfriend's off, like getting us some water or whatever. I was like, sure. And he was, he's like, I'm an extra, but I'm not interested in this. This is just something my girlfriend was interested in. And she, it was a party scene. So she said like, you do it with me, do it with me. And somehow in the course of like three minutes of conversation, it came to pass that I, we figured out that we, he used to live in Tucson, which is the town I'm from. He went to the same elementary school as me. He was in the same class as me. And at a certain point, I was able to lift up my chin and say, you see this scar, Duncan? I got this scar from chasing you, trying to kiss you in first grade. That's it was, awesome. And, but he, he, I mean, oh, I've not seen that kid since maybe, I mean, I think he moved away second grade, maybe third grade. But like, I don't, I, I would never have recognized him. Nothing about him was familiar in any way, shape or form and vice versa. Um, so that was like one of the wildest things has, has ever happened to me. It that was so random. Well, the, the other nice thing that I see about this is, you know, I love seeing anybody that's in, in the industry that gets to be a part of pro projects that are just kind of going to be universally remembered for whatever reason. Uh -huh. So, so like, you know, being in injustice, that's. You know, that's really, really popular. But at the same time, Catwoman will always be remembered. Oh, Maybe not yeah. for the best of reasons, but it, it right. holds a place. Yes, and, it does hold a place. And it's just, that's just, that's nuts to me. And I just, uh, I, I love that sort of a thing. If you had a chance in a live action film to play a superhero, who would you be? Oh, I mean, those are like big, important shoes to fill. So it's really hard, especially thinking about like people who have done such an amazing job. It's hard. It's hard. I mean, I have such admiration for people. I remember I auditioned for one of the many Fantastic Four reboots, um, whatever the one was that Michael Chiklis was in. Oh, Somehow right. mm -hmm. I got like called in for an audition. Again, I was in, I had no credits. I mean, I was, I'm just, this was like pre Catwoman even, not that that changed anything for me, but um, somehow like I was able to get seen, you know, for that. And I had to audition for the Invisible Woman. And, auditioning in a bare room with nothing and like pretending like I always look at Elizabeth Olsen like bless you she has one of the hardest her and like Benedict you know what I mean like yep. they really have to sell something pretty dumb and I say that as a fan I say that as a fan of superheroes but like as an actor when I see people having to like conjure stuff and like you know that is extremely challenging to do with a straight face. So, um, because you are doing it without the help of the amazing work that ev that goes into, you know, post-production and stuff. So, um, those are things that I, I feel like I would want to avoid. <laughs> 
So maybe something where it's more just that you're looking at something intensely, like a like a mind power, like a yeah, like like a uh, like a Jean Grey kind of thing, where maybe you're just like really focused on something, and then something happens. Um, also, just like a really interesting, great character. You know, that's actually really funny. So that, if I remember correctly, that was 2005. Was that particular Fantastic yeah. Four, and it was Jessica, that right. Jessica Alba that that ended up getting yes. that particular yes. role. Which yes. I like Jessica Alba. She's she's a good actress. But yeah. just from a physical standpoint, you actually look more like the character than she does. Yeah. By a lot. <laughs> yeah. And that Yeah, I, that's I guess that's true. I yeah. could, I could definitely see you doing a, an invisible woman character at some point. Or uh, you know, maybe maybe uh if they hadn't already uh put in uh, put uh, Jamil Al Jamil in in it, some, like a Titania. That that seems like a character. I, I cannot wait to see that tomorrow. But uh, that's yeah. when we're that's when I we're recording Jamila. this. I love Jamila. I love Jamila. She's a great she's a great human being. But um, Titania is a fun character. I can't wait to see what she does yeah. with it because yeah. that's that's just a crazy thing to try and do. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, well, okay. We always end up with just a couple of questions that kind of have nothing to do with anything because, uh, well, that's just how that's how we roll. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so let's a- I'll, I'll ask the the three questions we we pull out of a pool of a handful. But we okay. we usually ask uh, about pizza. Everybody loves uh-huh. pudding. Well, everybody loves pizza for the most part too. For sure. But there are so many kinds. What kind yes. of a pizza person are you? Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty boring. Um, I am definitely one of those, like, I mean, there are just so many like tall women who have Hashimoto, uh, which is a thyroid disease, which, and you can't have gluten. Um, uh, and, uh, I will say my sisters, I don't know why so many of you are tall. I'm not sure where we all got that. If that's like a Scandinavian thing, I don't even think I have any Scandinavian in me, but, uh, and by the way, also shout out to all the not so tall women who also have it. It is a very common thing, but you can't have gluten. So I have not had gluten, you know, as part of my diet for like almost 20 years now. Um, and pizza has only gotten better. It's gotten better and better and better and better. But it was one of the things that I feel like they did a great job with early on in the beginnings of, oh, shoot, gluten hurts some people. Uh, I love a good rice crust. Um, I had a pizza... I mean, my my go-to uh, tomato sauce, eh, kind of like a little bit of an acid reflux thing happening. Not sure what's going on with that, but um, so I tr- I haven't been having a lot of tomato stuff or salsa stuff, which is a bummer because I love salsa. But um, so I tend to lean more towards the like, what kind of flatbready kind of pizza effect can we, can we do? Like a prosciutto and arugula and like some maybe there's an artichoke heart or I don't know. A like, pesto. I, but it but I don't need you know I can do like if it's just cheese and like olive oil on a on a crust that's great. So I don't need the like the I don't need that side. But I also don't want the heavy like you know the white sauce. I don't even need that. Like I love bread so much that I really want to be able to taste the crust. So I would say that's it. All that being said, um, my sweetie and I had a pizza in Toronto that, um, nope, I'm sorry, it was in Calgary, that was, I think, the best pizza I've ever had. And it had, there there was like a little bit of maple syrup that was in there, very little, so just a hint of maple syrup, but it did also have, um, you know, like the salty was happening, and um, it was so 
like addictively good. And I would never have thought like, yeah, please put a little maple syrup on my pizza. But boy, was it good. And it was like smoky cheese. You know what I mean? It was like a smoked uh, smoked mm. uh, mozzarella. And maybe it's like a smoked Gouda or something. So the smokiness and the sweetness was just, oh, it was so good. I'm glad I already had dinner. I think I'd be hungry already. Yeah. I know. I'm very sad that I can't access that pizza on a regular basis. Okay. A long way from Calgary. Well, we'll get away from the stomach for a moment and we'll go. <laughs> so you were in a band, which means that I assume music has a certain resonance and importance to you. For do, sure. Do you have a favorite band? And if not a favorite band, a favorite genre that just kind of energizes you and gets you into a, a, the headspace that you love to be in? Oh, boy. Um so, uh, uh, something that energizes me, uh, you know, I'm, I am I listen to a lot of fairly soft music these days, which is sort of funny because that's not how I used to be. But um, uh, so the thing that springs to mind because it's like on my mind now is not ener- particularly energizing at all. But um, which is that I, uh, I just love Jose Gonzalez so much. And um, he does a lot of stuff with like, you know, big orchestras and stuff. But I, I love him. Um, I, he, when I listen to his music, I feel like, okay, some of us are trying to heal the world. Like, you know, like it's not, we should no people aren't necessarily giving up, even if they are writing songs that sort of feel like, like, oh, the humanity, like that's sort of like, no, like not turning away from how broken we are, but also kind of like holding that little hope that, you know, like we can make music, we can make art, we can heal each other. We can be kind of like is it all for naught, you know? So I feel like I've been in that mode a lot because of, you know, COVID and all that. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to see him. I've seen him several times and I'm always just like, I just always feel like, oh yeah, things, maybe things will be okay. Um, when he plays, um, as far as like, just like getting up and like, get like, I almost said boogieing. And that's not something that anyone from our generation or any generation, like after our parents, maybe our parents' parents would say, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of like what I really, what I really get into. And I am drawing a complete and total blank, but that doesn't mean that I just like sit and, you know, sit by a window in the rain, like looking out longingly. That's not necessarily that sounds like true Kenya there, but. Yeah. I mean, I love Frightened Rabbit. That used to be my go-to, but it's now it's always tinged with a little sadness because the lead singer committed suicide. So it's like the songs that used to make me like, we got this. Now I'm like, um, (laughs) I'm going to stay around for you, buddy. Next. Uh, Okay. Well, how about this? Um, you, you've been around a lot of, a lot of games, a lot of video games, uh, a lot of, um, like I said, a lot of those niche sort of um, fan pockets. Are there any of those items that you've come across that you go, man, I really wish that would get adapted into a show or a movie? Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I total, I usually go the opposite way because I, I love animation so much that – I'm trying to think of because a lot of the time it goes into, you know, then it becomes like we're going to do a human cast and then a bunch of CG. And I don't necessarily always love that um, because I do love animation so much. And I feel like it's so it's it's its ability to do certain things and touch certain people and like be universal in this really special way is very cool and very exciting. I'm trying to think if there's anything. I mean, I think the main thing that I love that I like is like kind of immersive stuff um but i like actual brick and mortar immersive stuff because um i feel like we have access to so much vr and so much cg and like i i sort of 
I like understand the landscape of that and on a level that's like not as exciting anymore, if that makes sense. Like seeing the new like seeing and I, I'm sure it's great, but like seeing the 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 trailer for, for example, the new the Jero Token, you know, the new Amazon right. Prime mm-hmm. adaptation. Like I've seen those CG waterfalls so many times now. Right. I'm not filled with wonder. Do you know what I mean? I'm just yeah. not. Um, but if I walk into a place like um, Burnt City or uh, which is a which is a immersive theater in London or Sleep No More, which is the same company that does stuff in New York, and they have meticulously assembled real physical objects that you can pick up and you gen- you genuinely feel like, where am I? Um, that is very exciting to me, which means I also like a good escape room. That does make sense. Well, I I just can't. I cannot express my thanks enough for you to take the time to, oh, to talk with pleasure. me today. I I'm hope- glad we finally got to do it. I know we were back and forth on with traveling and COVID and many other things. So, but I knew it would happen. Yeah, and, and, and I just uh, I'm going to be probably giddy for the next day or two, and uh, that's that's my Ride favorite it. part of doing Ride this. Ride that wave, that's even right. as your son is strangling you. Well, I'll ride it as long as I can maintain uh, enough oxygen to my brain. Please, but please uh, make sure that's happening. But don't forget, dear folks, to check out uh, all of the amazing work that Janet has done. She has, I feel like she has about seven different podcasts that she is running right now. What? Uh, what is coming up in, say, like uh, uh, Braving the Elements? Do you have anything that you can tell us? Oh, oh gosh. I mean, I love doing that podcast so much. I do that with Dante Bosco, who plays Zuko in the original Avatar series. We've been unpacking the all of Avatar, starting with book one. Now we're in book two. Um, yeah, I mean... I love I we have some more fan episodes coming up. Um, those are always such a treat. Um, and and but yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of like we we're definitely are a few episodes out. I'm trying to think of um, if there's anything that I can really say. Uh, I, I loved I love Erica Ishii speaking of like video game folks. Um, and so having her uh, on the podcast, which is coming up with, uh, we have her on for for the chase was like such a dream. And it was, that's a perfect example of like the like cross fangirling, you know, it was a perfect example of me being like, I just love you. And her being like, I just love you. And Dante being like, y'all love each other. I get it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's a, that's a fun one coming up. She's, she's amazing. Do you have any other projects that we should be keeping our eyes out for? Well, I just finished doing um, a, a recurring role on a really fun show that's going to be, I don't know when it comes out on Apple TV, but it stars Seth Rogen and Rose Byrne, and it's called Platonic, and uh, it's about two old friends who really never have had anything between them, like when Harry Met Sally is the, the lying version of that, like they actually fell in love. This is like not that, um, but everyone sort of assumes that there there must be something there, and, um, and like sort of how they navigate their renewed friendship with the way their lives have changed as adults um, and I get to play a wild character in that that was just so fun um, I don't know when it comes out but keep your ears and eyes peeled I'm sure there will be um, you know a promo for it since it's Seth and Rose and they're both you know big stars yeah, but it was, was a, so much fun that sounds awesome well thank you yeah. again for sharing yeah, yourself with you us again. and uh, and if you ever want to come back on the show and uh, just uh, tell us about something awesome that's coming up or just uh completely take over the podcast and talk about <laughs> i don't know video games or whatever that that's Great. also fine but uh <laughs> will do thank you thanks again